this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Episode 136, thank you for joining us to the Connecting Faith to Life podcast, and we're excited to have you along. And as always, we do ask that you uh, spread the word, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the Instagram, text them, call them, whatever it takes. And uh, even in your life connection groups, spread it around your small groups, spread it around. Uh, People have been coming to me over and over again saying what a blessing it's been. They're catching up. Uh, going back and listening to the old ones. And uh, anyway, it's just interesting to it's hear. It's a lot so, to listen to. Yeah, it is. We got a lot of uh, content on there that can really help you. Yeah. And uh, one day we might index it or something. I don't know. But anyway. It, it, it's too much work. <laughs> it is a man. lot of work. But man, so we? We're 136 today. Yeah, 136. It seems like just yesterday we hit 100. Man, yeah. Time's going by. I remember we had a big party. We had that a big party. And we, we need another party soon. Uh, well, maybe 150 we'll do it. So We'll see. We'll, we'll, they'll be here next week, 150. 150 will be here next week. Well, oh, okay. it seems like the way well, time goes, right? As quick as it goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, a lot of people that uh, need to understand how to connect biblical principles to everyday life. And that's exactly what we're doing. What and, we're trying uh, to do. Yeah. We, we attempt to do we it. We attempt to do um, This one's going to be a little more heady today. Oh. Uh, election is not just what we do in and November, the, the first election. week in November. Uh, it has to do with how we respond to a loving God who gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to us. And as we come to him and how that works and God's desire for us to to be one of his children. And uh, from the very beginning of the world, we've talked about that. And yeah. Ephesians is so dramatically uh, impactful when it talks about election. I, I yeah. don't see how we can, uh, I don't think we want to, nor can we avoid nope. this doctrine. Nope. So nope. that's what we're going to be talking about today, election. Right, because we did dive into Ephesians chapter 1 this past Sunday morning, and this subject comes up in Ephesians chapter 1. And, mm-hmm. I, and I talked about it from the stage, but I didn't get into much detail because it, I was trying to get through the whole passage and all those kinds of things. So I, you might have some questions. If you listen to Sunday morning, you might have some questions. If you didn't listen to Sunday morning, you might have some questions because mm-hmm. this is one of those topics that is quite co- controversial. And you like controversial topics, don't you, Pops? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw my face when he said yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of controversy. Well, I mean, I, it is what it is. You got to deal with controversy. You work through it the best you can. But I, I just think we have to preach what the Bible says. You preach what we the have, Bible says. We have says. to be honest when we say we're going to preach through the whole word of God, you know. Yeah. So we this just is have gonna, to deal with it. Uh, this is going to be a controversial week for me. Oh, why is that? Because we're going to Great Wolf Lodge. Oh, wow. We yeah. all leave. We leave man. Thursday morning. Thursday morning, we're going and we're going to spend two days at the lodge. We were so pumped. Kelly and I were actually. Th- I don't know. I guess it was Sunday. When is Tommy going? Has he been yet? And I said, I don't know. I'll ask him. So it's going to be controversial trying to figure out what water slides to ride. And that's rough, man. Oh man. I looked at the, um, the website this morning. I was getting ready to come over here and, uh, try and prep for the trip. And, They've got like it almost looks like Disney World except like the water park. Yeah. Have you ever been? Yes, I've been, and it is it is glorious. Yeah, it's gonna it be fun. It is glorious. It looks like about Disney World with the food prices. And for you, all you got to do is get in the lazy river and just float around. Yeah, and the I, kids I, can I party. That, I see and that have, happening. I see. That. I'm gonna be on every slide with them, and it's gonna it's gonna wear me out. On Friday, I'm gonna send Stacy to IKEA. There you go. Yeah, she's gonna go to IKEA by herself. And that's close, you said. That is like I think it's across the street. Uh, it's pretty close. You, you can go. walk over there. I have no idea. So, yeah, yeah, I, but. I don't know. She's going to spend all my money. It's going to be a bad week. 
anyway, it was great, and you'll have a blast. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. The boys are super pumped about it. It's, it's going to be a wet week. Yeah, you will be in your uh, bathing suit the whole and, and a hamburger time. there is like twenty five bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Told the boys this it morning, you, you, you're not eating in there. We're, We're taking good. our own food. You're not. I'm not paying twenty five dollars for a hamburger. You and me, we did Man. the same thing. Yeah, it's gonna be wild. But anyway, that's 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 gonna be fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Trying to get all my work done so we can go to the Great Wolf Lodge for a couple of days. But we did talk about election this mm. Sunday morning. And when we talk about election, we're not talking about what is happening this year in November. We have our midterm election. Mm-hmm. Case we're talking about how God, in His sovereign control over the universe before the foundations of the world, chose people. At, to, for adoption. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter one, the doctrine of election. And so, so here's the deal, Pops. This, this doctrine of election over the years has been quite controversial. Mm-hmm. Not quite, very controversial. Very controversial. I mean, I can remember in, in seminary, you know, being around the lunch table, and this is all guys would talk about. I was in college. And predestination and and in know, college, we lived, breathed, and ate yeah. it. So maybe, I mean, so. for I guess for a lot of people, maybe this isn't the most controversial doctrine because you don't think about it a whole lot. But if, but if you went to seminary, right, or you know, you, you talked about this, and if you if you read the Bible, this comes up, and mm-hmm. you you know, we have some some preconceived notions about how about how life works, about you know how we have free will and choice and all of that kind of stuff. And then you read passages like we read in Ephesians chapter one, or if you back up and read like Romans chapter nine, mm-hmm. that stuff kind of slaps you in the face. Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What yeah. in the world is going on here? And so because of that, it has been controversial over the years. And, um, you know, I mean, you think about a lot of this stuff, you know, found, found new life in John Calvin, when John Calvin started to explain the sovereignty of God, what it means that God rules and reigns over creation. And then you have people like Jonathan Edwards. We talked about that before mm-hmm. we started recording pops. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just even within the church today, it's been interesting. And I know many of you listening might not be aware of this. Maybe you are aware of this, that even within Southern Baptist circles, you know, the denomination that we're a part of, this has been a controversial mm-hmm. issue. There's a broad spectrum. This, it, it really yeah. is. And, and I remember for me, um, when we get into a doctrine of election, you know, some of us, you know, think about Calvinism and, and that whole movement, that reformed movement of uh, some of you might be familiar with the, the, the tulip, the five points of mm-hmm. Calvinism and those kind of things, which we're not going to talk a lot about in this episode. But you know, those things are, are really significant for a lot of people and for a long time, significant for me. I mean, I, I, when, when I um, was in college, and I might have told you this, Trey, the very first Christian book I read outside of the Bible was a book called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. That was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. man, still one of my favorite books. I, I've yeah. gone back and read I mean, it was such a powerful book and very impactful in my life at that time. And so after I read that book, I, I went down the rabbit hole of reading everything I could by R.C. Sproul. Mm-hmm. And so that led me down a path of, of Calvinism because uh, he, he, he's Calvinist and, and, and he explained it very well. And so for a long time, I would have said, yep, that, that's, I identify with the theology that R.C. Sproul talks about because he was, he was, just, he was just a big hero of mine, the faith, mm-hmm. and still a big hero. Yeah, yeah. He passed away several years ago, but man, just a powerful Bible teacher. Uh, but, you know, over the years, you know, my, my perspective on things have, um, have changed somewhat and moderated, you know, maybe moderated, I th- moderated. I mean, I, I still, you know, w- am very thankful for the influence of people like R.C. Sproul and J.I. Yeah. Packer yeah. and some of those who would have held the Calvinist theology. Um, that, that I'm thankful for the influence and, but, and, and, you know, this is a long conversation for another day. Um, you know, theologically, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to figure things out now. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that place where those things are very helpful for me, but I've thought more. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it all works. And, I, and I'm okay with that. 
I would I would dare say that even even a Jonathan Edwards would say he doesn't understand it all, and he was probably one of the most brilliant men that ever lived. Yeah. So, so. that's the question. We come to this this controversial doctrine of election. We say that God predestines people for salvation. What do we mean and how can we get our minds around it? Because questions come up, mm-hmm. right? If God predestines us. We had one this week, actually. Yeah. So. What what happens What happens to people who aren't predestined? Is that, That's not fair, right? It's not fair that some are predestined and some mm-hmm. are not. Or And what does that have to do with free will? And and we're not going to dive into all those questions in this episode. We don't have time to, to do that in the format we have. And and our goal here is just to kind of help you think through it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? We, we this, is, this, is, this is not right. This is not seminary. So we're not going to get into all the details and talk about the Synod of Dort and you know all the different things of um, Dutch Reformed theology and all the other things we could talk about and infralapsarianism <laughs> and all those kinds of big yeah. words. Uh, that's a fun conversation. Yeah. But you just want to think about this from a, from a biblical perspective and just nuts and bolts, basic as we can make it. Um, how do we need to think about the doctrine of election? All right. So today we're going to talk about four ways to think about the doctrine of election. The first is this, and this is what we've been saying. Know that you will never understand everything. Yeah, that's a big one, Pops, is that that you and I will never understand everything. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the doctrine of election, here's, here's, here's what I appreciate about the Apostle Paul. And not only Paul, but like Luke, because in, in Luke um, chapter 13, 48, Luke says, you know, and they went to this place and as many as were appointed to eternal life mm-hmm. believed. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this idea of people were appointed, predestined, or right, whatever the case right. may be. Or, you know, um, when, when Christ speaks to, to Paul in another part of, of Acts, in Acts chapter 18, verse 10, he says, you know, um, don't be afraid in this city because there are many in this city that belong to me that I have chosen, mm-hmm. right? So, so, and you think about even in, in the gospel of John and John talks about how, um, um, you know, God has chosen people to salvation. I think about John 15 and, and different passages like that. The, the New Testament writers talk about election like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. They don't back away from it. They don't back away it. from yeah. it. It's just kind of there. I and mean, it's just like, it was just part of the vocabulary, part of it. Mm-hmm. This is just how God works, mm-hmm. right? Now, now what we have to understand is that while they speak about election like it's no big deal or that was in their vocabulary, that's where they, uh, they, they wrote and, you know, um, about how God works, um, they don't explain it all. They do not. They don't explain it all. And that's the thing. So so what you find in the New Testament, right, when you think about Paul or John or Luke or whomever, on the one hand, they're very comfortable talking about this idea that God elects people, that before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, that God mm-hmm. chose a people for himself. Mm-hmm. He adopted them into his family. Uh, they're very comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. And they're also very comfortable talking about, you know, your responsibility as a follower of Jesus to make a decision, mm-hmm. to choose. Right, you know that, and in, in the book of Acts, when the gospel is presented, and, and you think about the book of Acts over and over in Acts, you have all these sermons uh, that are given, whether it's by Paul or Peter mm-hmm. or um, Stephen. You have these different sermons in, in the book of Acts, and and that, as they preach those sermons, there's a call to faith. Always repent. Yeah. And believe, repent and believe. And so that's putting the responsibility on the people who've heard the message. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, they, they hold in, in, in two hands. On one hand, they hold the, the doctrine of election, but on the other hand, they hold the idea of responsibility. And so, so somehow they mm-hmm. both work together. Amen. You know, election and God chooses, and yet you have a choice and you have to make a decision to follow Jesus. Somehow they both work together. And what Paul or John or Luke or any of the other gospel writers never do is they never explain how they work together. Yeah. And, you know, I've often thought about that. And the whole thing is, is I think maybe they didn't understand everything and they were okay with that. 
they just right. know that this, this is, is how, how it works. works yeah. Right. And and so I think for us, that's kind of where I've gotten to the point in my in my you know journey with this particular doctrine. Mm. The doctrine of election, it is right there in scripture. You you can't avoid it, mm-hmm. right? And we're gonna talk about that in a moment. But at the same time, um, and so is is the you know, the idea of human responsibility and free will and I'm just not going to understand everything about how, and that's, that's not the only doctrine like that, mm. right? You think about the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm. Wow. Come on, that's mind-boggling, that God is three persons, yet one God. And 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 how that works? We don't completely understand. We don't completely understand. understand. We know what Scripture Nor says. Nor will we. Nor will we. We know what Scripture yeah. says about it, right? And, and when we come to the doctrine of election, we mm. know what Scripture says, and it's what it says, and just being good with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, the, the thing is, we all want to know how it works. That, that's just human nature. We want to know how things work, right? Mm-hmm. But you think about some Scriptures that are really helpful. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but revealed things belong to us and our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. Mm-hmm. The hidden things belong, belong to, God, to God, revealed things belong to us. So there are things about God. I mean, he is infinite. We're not. It is a little ludicrous to think that we completely understand you, how God you, works and thinks and how he operates. Right, because we're not God. You know what <laughs> exactly. I'm saying? I mean, we're not going to be infinite in our knowledge. And we need to be careful as pastors to say, well, we'll, all, we'll understand it all when we get to heaven. Yeah. We'll still won't be no, God. No, because God is God. Exactly. I mean, he, is, he is the only infinite, eternal being um, who, who knows everything. And, and so, you know, we, we, and, 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 you know, Paul says in first Corinthians chapter eight, knowledge puffs up mm-hmm. when you think you've got it all figured out, right? When you think, you know, it all, man, that will puff you up and make you a prideful person. And you certainly don't want to be that person. And I have, I've heard people from both ends of the spectrum yeah. get real proud because they think they figured it out. Yeah. And we got to yeah. be super careful. With yeah. That. Another passage real, real quick. This is helpful. Isaiah 55, eight, nine. I love this passage for my thoughts are not, this is God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. Amen. This is the Lord's declaration as the heaven is higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. We're just not going to figure it all out. And, and being okay with that, that God knows everything and we don't, and that's all right. Amen. All right. Second way, know that the Bible absolutely teaches predestination. It, and we already said this, but Trey, it absolutely does. Mm. It absolutely teaches in Ephesians chapter 1 that before the foundation of the world, before you and I were in existence in on this earth, that God knew us, that God loved us, that God predestined us Mm -hmm. to adopt us into his family. Now, again, we want to try to figure out what all that means. And again, that's not possible to know what all that means and how it all works. But we do know that that's exactly what God did. You think about um, other passages. You think about John 644. John 644 says, no one can come to the father. uh, No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Right. Mm -hmm. Now I'll raise him up on the last day. Mm -hmm. You think about Romans chapter nine, Romans chapter nine talks about Pharaoh and how God raised up Pharaoh for a singular purpose to demonstrate his glory and his power and that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? Uh, So that he might rescue his people, right? And you think about the nation of Israel. Now, Mm -hmm. Romans 9, you need to read that if you haven't read that before. It, it It is striking in the way that Paul talks about the sovereignty of God and how he elects a people for himself, right? Uh, You think about though, uh, the nation of Israel out of all the nations of the earth, God chose one man, Abraham, right? To Mm. become a great nation, to be a blessing to the nations. And so just when you think about scripture, this is what God does. God chooses Mm. people. He chose a nation. God predestines a family for himself, ultimately for his glory. This is what God does. Now, again, how all that works and what that means for, um, 
you know, those who are, are not predestined to be in his family. Scripture doesn't explain all those things, uh, but but it does very clearly explain that that God has chosen a people for himself. Mm-hmm. And if you're a follower of of Jesus Christ, you are in that chosen family of God. That's what Scripture teaches, you know, over and over again. You think about in First Peter. Peter talks about the elect exiles. This wow. is who you are in Christ. You are elected to be exiled from this world and 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 for a different home. And so, just all over Scripture, uh, you you see this idea. And and what the I and I, this is where we I think really need to uh, uh, agree as followers of Jesus that what this doctrine elect of election does for us it reminds us that salvation is complete. Completely a work of God. It is. It's not ours. Now we respond to God's work in our lives, obviously, but but He is the one who who has saved us. We don't mm. save ourselves, right? And I think that that in part is the beauty of the doctrine of election. And one of the things I do appreciate about teachers like R.C. Sproul or others that uh, you know were so influential in my life earlier on is just this this um, focus on. God's work in our lives. Mm-hmm. And Paul talks about this. We're going to get to Ephesians chapter two in a couple of weeks that you are dead in your trespasses dead. and sins. Dead means dead. Yeah. You know, a dead person cannot bring himself to life. Mm. No way. Right? Uh, and, and that's what's so beautiful about the, the letter to the church at Ephesus. And we, we hit on it Sunday morning is that, you know, Paul's writing to people that were pagans. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have chosen God. No, of course not. They, 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 they did not have that capacity because they were so enthralled with the idolatry in their day that it took a supernatural work of the Spirit to save them. They weren't going to choose God. They had already made their choice. Mm-hmm. It was paganism. It was the idols. It was Artemis. But God, right? And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. But God, but God, but God made you alive in Christ Amen. Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That's good and so, so this doctrine of election, that, that's where it's comforting. Mm-hmm. Right, because we talked about Sunday morning. Uh, when it comes to, to um, free will and choice, we're horrible choosers, right? <laughs> that is one of the best lines right? I have heard in a long time. But that's what we are. We're horrible choosers. We are. But God is a gracious chooser, and He chose us. And so that doctrine of election, while it's hard for us to get our minds around, it's comforting to know that God loved us so much that He opened our eyes to His grace when we wouldn't open our eyes ourselves in our mm-hmm. own power. That's right. All right, well, number, or the third way, let's look at is know that God desires everyone to be saved. Yeah, this is where, again, we kind of get into that that controversial stuff and how does this all work? I have no idea, right? So, so we know that God, you know, has redeemed a people for himself, but we also know that not everyone is redeemed. Mm. Well, but we also know that, know that God desires everyone to be saved. You think about a couple passages. Second uh, Peter three nine, the Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Mm. Now, theologians have tried to explain all this, you know, um, because everyone is not saved, but God desires everyone to be mm-hmm. saved. So, so you you think about you know, um, God's will, mm-hmm. right, um, and and how that works, and you know. Um, so, so, so while God desires that, you know, it, it, the reality is because of the sinful fallen world and because there is choice that, that, you know, not everyone is going to re, you know, trust Christ. As with the three circles, we start out, we live in, in a, a broken, broken world, world and we can say we are also broken. Yeah. 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 And, and you think about another passage, first Timothy two, three, and four, this is good. And it pleases God, our savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Mm. This is, you know. From the beginning, we can go back to the book of Genesis, and this is what God desired. God desired that Adam and Eve live in a relationship with him, a perfect relationship with him, but he gave Adam and Eve 
free will, and mm-hmm. they chose to rebel against that. And so, you know, it, we know that God desires for people to come to faith in him, but we also know that it is a broken world and there is a free will. And again, how all that works, well, I, don't, I don't quite get it all, uh, but but not everyone will be saved. Yeah, I mean, it's the simplest verse we use, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Yeah. That he gave his only begotten yeah, son. That yeah. whosoever. That whoever believes in him. Believes in him. Whoever. Right? Um, you know, and there are a lot of terms. That's not the only place in the Bible yeah. that it says that. So, you know, we do have to be very careful about saying that God died for the few. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, th- or Jesus died for the few. The idea is that he died once for all. Yeah. Yeah. So and, one of the phrases that we use coming out of the Reformation and, and um, is this, this phrase, and I think it's a good phrase, right? That the death of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all. Mm. Right? but it's effective uh, for those who actually believe in yeah, Christ. Yeah, Right? Exactly. So so it's sufficient for all. Anyone who believes can have a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, but the, the the atoning work of the cross is effective for those who actually believe and, and trust in Jesus Christ. I think that's a helpful way to think about it, right? Uh, so again, but but again, you see that tension. Yeah. That, that there's election, that um, God has predestined those who will be a part of his family, but yet at the same time, God desires everyone to be saved, which does get that matter. Again, the tension between between the the predestination, election of God, and and free choice. It's it's just hard yeah. to figure out. And we also got to be careful. This people have turned this into God that uh, Jesus died for everyone, and everyone will ultimately be saved. Yeah, so we that can't concept. go that route either. We can't go the route yeah, of universalism so, yeah. that um, Jesus's death. You know it. it it doesn't matter what you do, right? And, and go back to what you just said, that that's where the sufficiency versus the efficiency or the effectiveness of it Yeah, comes yeah, in. yeah. So, again, that, that, that's the thing. When you start to, you know, move past Scripture and make conclusions on your own apart from Scripture, mm-hmm. it can lead you to some dangerous places. And just So it's just kind of thinking, okay, what does Scripture actually say mm-hmm. and being comfortable with Scripture and being comfortable living within uh, that, that tension, if you will, of, Okay, I don't have it all figured out, but this is what Scripture says, and I'm good with that. You know what I'm saying? And biblical tension is not a bad no, thing because no, it keeps no, no. us from going to extremes on either side. Right, right. We, I feel like it's like a, almost like a tightrope. Yeah, yeah. Where you know we do have to, you know there is this idea that yeah there is tension there. We get yeah. on a tightrope, you have to have tension. Yeah. But you you know when you deal with these yeah. things, it has to be in that center, what I call the center of biblical tension, where, where we're saying, yes, that is, and yes, that is, and we, we try to figure out how they work together because this is not the only doctrine, as you've already mentioned. There There is tension. Right, right. There is tension in a lot of doctrines yeah. where we don't quite get it. Yeah, yeah. So. And then we want to ask questions that probably aren't the best questions, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if the doctrine of election is true, well, that doesn't seem quite fair. That God predestined some, but you know, I mean, but but again, then yeah. the question is, well, who are you? Yeah, and who are you to determine what's fair? Paul addresses that, right? doesn't I mean, he? Yeah, he does in Romans chapter nine. Who yeah. are you to determine, right? Yeah. Who, what Paul says is, who are you as the clay to talk back to the potter, mm-hmm. right? And so just trusting that, you know, what's fair. I mean, if you think about it, what's fair in God's economy, what's fair is that none of us are elected; mm. that we all receive what's coming to us which is eternal hell, but God is gracious and he has chosen a family for himself for his glory. And, and I thought of recently, you know, the age of grace and this, when Jesus died on the cross to give us grace yeah. has expanded who comes to Christ, right, uh, who, right. who has that relationship with God, because now we're talking about, you know, over a billion people Yeah. now yeah. versus Israel, which was just a few million and uh, that for years, that was the way it was. The, yeah. the surrounding nations, you know, so God chose that nation and now he chooses 
all of us who will yeah, come to him. Yeah, so. yeah. And we talk about grace of God. You think yeah. about over the course of history, Trey, the number of people who've come to faith in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Uh, God's got a big elected family, mm-hmm. right? When we, when we get to heaven and see the multitudes wow. of people that have been redeemed, wow. it is going to be mind-boggling and astounding to just to see. Oh, this is just to think about this, right? Just to see how gracious God really is. Not just those that are saved now, but all ages. All ages. Oh, you think about that, Trey. We're, we're not going to say, man, God, you're just not fair. We're going to say, wow. <laughs> How, wow. did, how did this many wow. people get saved? Wow, look how gracious God is yes. that, that so many people are a part of the kingdom. Right? I agree. Amen. And then, then we'll close with this one, and that's the fourth one, and that is know that we are responsible for our own choices. Yes, yeah, so, so you know, if we were to get into the weeds of this doctrine, uh, and maybe you want to get in the, the weeds, and you can always email us, and I can give you some resources to read to help you get in the weeds if mm. you want to get in the weeds of this. But if we were getting the weeds of this, we would talk about things like fatalism. Mm. Right, so fatalism is this idea of, well, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. If God's predestined everything, then he's obviously predestined all my choices, and so, yeah, I live however I want, right? Because at the end, I ain't really got any control of it anyway, yeah, right? So, yeah. so you know, there's that idea that if you if you go down the rabbit hole, um, you you can you can end up in a place where you know what I mean, whatever. Um, but but you know that but that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture doesn't teach fatalism. Scripture teaches that your choices really do matter, mm-hmm. right? Of course they do. Yes, and, that, and we also know that Scripture teaches that 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 while you have that um, free will, if you will, to to make choices, even in the choices that you make, God is still in control, right? So you think about we just study the life of, of Joseph. Mm-hmm. And and there, were, there were lots of choices made. Exactly, but God still had control. Still, God still had control, right? Mm-hmm. You think about the choices of those brothers, the choices of Jacob, uh, the choices of Joseph even. I mean, you think about Jacob and his brothers, um, Jacob and his sons, they made horrible choices. Mm-hmm. But God's sovereignly at work in such a way that at the end of the book, Joseph is able to say what? You meant it for me, to me towards for evil, but, mm-hmm. but what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Amen. And so, That's again, right. those choices has co- had consequences, but God was at work even in those choices, and that's mind-boggling. How does all that work? You know what I'm saying? But but it, so so all that to say, you know, fatalism, where we just think, you know what, God predestines everything, and I ain't really got choice in anything, so whatever. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna live how I want to live because nothing I do really matters. Um, it's just not true. What you see in Scripture is that your choices do matter. There are consequences for the choices that you make, right? Eternal consequences. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, your choices don't take God by surprise either. That yeah. God God knows the choices that you're going to make, and God knows how he's going to sovereignly work in those choices mm-hmm. for his own glory, whatever that might look like, right? God knows. And so, again, it's this understanding of, of is there free will? Absolutely. And is there the sovereignty of God where God reigns and rules over us and, and even knows our choices and how he's going to work through our choices? Absolutely. And if you think about it, this can be a very controversial doctrine. There have been, you know, arguments over it for, I assume now 2,000 years since Paul and the other New Testament writers wrote about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's, just, it's a beautiful thing to think about. And that, 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 that God is so wonderful that he can graciously save a people for himself. Mm. God is so sovereign that he can rule and reign over his people. And nothing that we do takes him by surprise, but he can take our messes mm. and use them for his glory those are very comforting thoughts, right? And so, you know, again, we can get into the weeds of all this, but just I think for me, when I think about the doctrine of election and how God works in our lives, it, it, and like Paul does in Ephesians 1, we talked about this Sunday morning, it causes me to stand back in awe mm-hmm. and say, wow, blessed be the Father of, of our, our, our and Lord of our, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is what Paul mm-hmm. says, right? And man, yeah, this is awesome. 
And I, I think a good way to close this, at least for me, is to understand that the doctrine of election and God's sovereignty and all those things work together to bring about our peace. Yeah. And if you are believing something that causes you angst and worry and fear, then you go, you know, there's an issue with what you believe yeah. because yeah. God is a God of peace. Yeah. And so that sovereignty has always brought me back to understanding God is in control. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of what I've done or whoever's absolutely. done it to me. God is in control. Well, Pastor, thank you so much. I, I think this has been some uh, food for thought. And like yeah. you said, if if they want to read more, we'll get we them some, get some resources uh, materials that can help them. Cover from every perspective of this particular uh, doctrine, we can do that and, and help you think through it. But, you know, I, we would just want today to kind of give you the basics, just to help you kind of think through what Scripture is saying. And, and I hope this has been helpful for you. And if it has been helpful for you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review because that helps us get word out about our podcast. And as always, we hope today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.